Welcome to the CJOB Sports Show podcast. On this edition, we're going to recap what went wrong for the Winnipeg Blue Bombers from a BC perspective with Lions Radio play-by-play broadcaster Bob Marjanovic. Manitoban Joe Wichard looks back on being inducted into the Canadian Baseball Hall of Fame last weekend. CFL fan Bobby Dubow shares some insight into his attempt to set a Guinness World Record. The top-rated North American goaltending prospect for next week's NHL draft is Manitoban Carson Bjarnason of Carberry. And we'll also bring you up to date on a special soccer tournament just getting underway in Winnipeg. And that is it from IG Field. The Bombers falling at home for the first time in quite a while. 30-6 to the final. Yes, the BC Lions becoming the first West Division team to win at IG Field in the regular season or the playoffs going back to the Banjo Bowl of 2018. Now, that was Derek Taylor. And, of course, uh, you heard he and Doug Brown calling the action last night on 680 CJOB. And so we planned this even before uh, we knew what the result was going to be. I'd been in touch uh, with the veteran a radio play-by-play voice of the BC Lions uh, early in the week. He joins us now, Bob Marjanovic, lovingly known as the Moj, out on the West Coast. And, Bob, come clean, man. Hand on the Bible and on your uh, mother's and father's first names. Did you expect what happened last night at IG Field to unfold from the BC Lions' perspective? No, I, I mean, I expected a competitive game. Maybe the Lions win a tight one. But what we saw last night was sheer and utter dominance in all three facets of the game. And to me, the big story of the game is how the Lions dominated uh, Winnipeg on both sides of the line of scrimmage. I mean, defensively, seven sacks, Matthew Betts with three. They harassed Zach Caleros all night long. And offensively, even though they gave up three sacks, I thought for the most part they played exceptionally well. And I think the other thing, too, when you look at Winnipeg, they kind of got into a little bit more desperation in the second half trying to make some things happen. And they wound up sending the house quite a bit. So when it was all said and done, I just thought offensively and defensively the Lions controlled the line of scrimmage. And even on special teams, I mean, Janarian Grant was coming out that great game against Saskatchewan. And I thought the Lions did this. Great job of containing him and neutralizing him on specials. Yeah, no, there's no doubt about it. I, I, I thought, if anything, Winnipeg at least broke even uh, on special teams. But, uh, Moj, you are absolutely bang on. I mean, Matthew Betts and David Menard, along with an occasional visit from Woody Barron, uh, were like the nightmare on Elm Street, or in this case, Chancellor Matheson Boulevard. Uh, for the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. And, you know, you mentioned, you know, how you noticed a difference of the Blue Bombers' attack in the second half. They're just not used to that. I I wonder if uh, being in a position that they just are so foreign to for the last few years uh, also bled into that, not taking anything away from how the BC Lions play. No, I think you're totally right. I mean, that's the, I can't remember the Bombers getting their lunch handed to them like they did last night. So, yeah, I mean, it, it was probably a very different type of um, the course of the game because used to that. they're used to being the hammer, not the nail. And last night, they were the nail, not the hammer. So it was interesting to see. And, you know, I, I'm really excited to see the re- uh, rematch in Winnipeg, I believe, on August the 3rd. Um, I think it's going to be a great game. You know, Bob, you mentioned... 
that it uh, you can't remember the last time the Blue Bombers got manhandled, especially at IG Field. Uh, I was going back in, you know, in 2017 they got tattooed pretty good, 29-10 by Calgary, 30 to 13 by Hamilton. But I think last night would compare to the uh, late August 2015 36 to 8 beatdown applied by Calgary uh, on Winnipeg for the last time. Uh, something as dominating and as thorough as what we saw take place uh, happen to, uh, to to Winnipeg. So from that perspective, uh, is this something that you've seen developing with the Lions you know, since the start of training camp and through the preseason and now into week three of the schedule? Well, I think we started seeing last year uh, uh, living on the scene for the Lions. And I think the big thing was... It, it, and I'll do respect to Mike Riley, but Mike Riley's a future Hall of Fame quarterback, an elite quarterback, and Mike kind of had this certain status. And when Nathan came, Nathan didn't have that status. He was more of one of the guys, so to speak. And I, I think that really impacted the culture of this team and how they all kind of banded together around Nathan. And, you know, we've seen more of him this year with Vernon Adams Jr., and to me, they're, they're building the culture like they have in Winnipeg, that FIFO culture that they have in Winnipeg. And we <laughs> saw it this year with Jonathan Congbo, right? I mean, he yeah. showed up in B.C., wasn't too happy about his role, and they said, fine, we'll ship you off to Hamilton. And that was a local guy who wanted to play desperately in Vancouver in front of his friends and family. So um, it's something that they're building. And I think really cool thing last night from the Lions' perspective was the demeanor that they had. Uh, Rick talked about the fact that Winnipeg. His team was stamped up. There was too much made about that. Even he took blame with the coaching staff about that. And this year they went to Winnipeg and, you know, they, they were very workmanlike. Too high. They never got too low. And they got the job done. I think a more mature team than last year. And what I mean by that is just knowing how to deal with big games because they went through that experience. I think if you were going to be nitpicky about anything, uh, about the BC Lions' performance last night, and teams are always looking to find a way to get better. That's why Winnipeg has uh, stayed atop the way they have. Uh, is the one area where if Rick Campbell and the coaching staff are, are going to lay down the hammer a little bit, it would be on some of the early penalties that the Lions took. And uh, I just wonder if some of that was maybe born out of nervous energy. Yeah, I think so. And we saw the same uh, in the previous week against Edmonton, where I think they finished with nine penalties and six or seven of them were in the first half. So, but the other thing, too, that Rick Campbell always talks about, he always talks about wanting his team to start fast and to play with a lot of energy. And uh, I think, you know, clearly last night, sometimes maybe it was a little bit too much. And, you know, even like the, the Moje hit on Wolotarski, though, it was early in the game yeah. and Moje, you know, gave him a shot. But that kind of sends the message for the rest of the game, right? I mean, even though it was a flag against Mojin, it was a penalty. At the same time, it was kind of a message saying that if you guys are going to come, come across the middle or you want to roam in this area, I'm going to be waiting for you, right? And, and I think it kind of sent a message that way. You know, it's like those penalties you take in hockey sometimes, Kelly, right? I mean, you remember all the days with the Blazers. Sometimes you take those penalties. Yeah, it might cost you two points. It might cost you a goal, but it sends a bigger message overall. 
Yeah, no, there's no doubt about that. And boy, I'll tell you, BC played with plenty of speed and plenty of energy uh, last night at IG Field. And uh, I think you're bang on, Moj. Uh, it'll be very interesting to see how these two teams approach that August 3rd rematch uh, that uh, will be coming up. Uh, thanks a bunch for doing this. I know you had a travel night uh, last night, or maybe it was this morning to get back to the West Coast. So uh, really appreciate that. And I look forward to seeing you again in early August. Well, I'll tell you what, I'm just on my way. The reason I uh, had a little bit of in and out, I just pulled over on the side of the freeway here. Um, heading up to your stomping grounds, Kamloops, of course, my significant other is up there. So driving up there right now, and I'll tell you, your name is still good in that town, man. I, if I need a reservation, I just <laughs> drop your name. Boom, done. If I need anything anywhere, I'd say, I'm a friend of Kelly Morris. Boom, done. I don't know what you did in Kamloops for all those years, but man, you got some staying power. <laughs> well, I'm glad to hear it's still paying off for friends. Uh, thanks a bunch for this, Moj. We'll talk real soon. No problem. All the best. Thanks for having me. You bet. Bar Mar- uh, Bob Marvano. I'll try to get that right. Bob Marjanovic. That's why I call him Moj, uh, the uh, veteran radio play-by-play voice of the BC Lions. He's been uh, covering sports uh, out on the left coast for many, many years. As a matter of fact, coming up later on in the show, uh, I ran into a CFL fan who is trying to set a Guinness World Book of Records for the fastest visit to all nine CFL stadiums. And one of the things he wants to do, uh, because he's from Vancouver, is to somehow uh, meet the mode. So I'm going to try to uh, work that out so that uh, Bobby Dubay, or Bobby Dubow rather, uh, winds up meeting Bob Mar- uh, Marjanovic during his tour because he'll see the BC Lions two more times after it began last night. If you want to read more about that, cjob.com, globalnews.ca. Well, I can't remember exactly when it was. I think it was about two or three months ago. Uh, Baseball Canada announced their inductees uh, for the uh, 2023 Canadian Baseball Hall of Fame. And lo and behold, there was a Manitoban uh, who was uh, included in the class of 23. His name is Joe, which are a long, long time coach, ambassador, developer, uh, certainly uh, administrator, uh, just a man who absolutely loves the game of baseball, dedicated his entire life to it. And so it, he's one of those perfect candidates uh, to go into the Baseball Hall of Fame. And when we had a chat with Joe a few months ago, I said, you know what, Joe, I'm going to put it down in my calendar, my, in my phone, and I'll do it like all the young kids do, uh, as a reminder, rather than writing it down on a piece of paper, uh, to follow up to see how your experience was uh, for the induction ceremony. Of course, it took place last weekend in southern Ontario, in St. Mary's, and so Joe Wichar has been kind enough uh, to join us for a few minutes tonight here on the 680 CJOB Sports Show. Joe, uh, thanks a bunch for doing this. And uh, again, uh, a heartfelt congratulations on your very, very deserved induction. How did it go uh, last weekend in St. Mary's? Hey, yeah, hi. Uh, yeah, it went pretty good. Uh, the organization was real good. Uh, the Scott Crawford, the executive director, and his uh, the staff and, and the volunteers, uh, it was really, really good. It was busy, but, uh, yeah, it was something else, I'll tell you. 
Yeah. <laughs> you know, I'm just looking at the schedule of events, Joe, and I know we spoke earlier today uh, just to make sure you'd be available to, to join me tonight. But, I mean, you're, you basically started your day uh, at 930 uh, and then I see there was an autograph session in the late afternoon, and, and I don't even know when they had the banquet, uh, if there was a dinner involved in that. But uh, I don't imagine you, you had too much downtime uh, during uh, a Hall of Fame weekend. No, uh, they kept us quite busy, that's for sure. Yeah. What was the most memorable part for you, Joe? I know that you're not a, you know, you're you're, you're not uh, one of those fire and brimstone type speakers, but uh, everybody has to give a speech. So how did yours go? Oh, well, it went pretty good. You know, I had uh, written one out and I rewritten and rewritten it and uh, uh, try to time myself as far as how long it goes. And uh, uh, I have a little trouble uh, right now. Um, reading so uh i put it on uh uh double spaced at 16 font <laughs> <laughs> that looks like one of my sports scripts <laughs> it was like a billboard out there <laughs> <laughs> oh that uh, and i understand too you know one of the things joe that uh uh we, you know we tend to forget uh when it comes to a hall of fame are you know the we remember the wins and losses we remember the championships and that sort of thing but uh, i remember it stood out to me in our conversation that we had a few months ago and that is the profound effect that someone like you uh, can have on all the players that were uh, under your mentorship so it had to be so neat for you to have some of those players uh, take the time and the effort to travel to southern ontario to be with you on your special day yeah i had uh Ten of our, my family there, uh, four grandsons, uh, two sons, two daughter-in-laws, and, of course, our, my wife and I. And I had, uh, I'm thinking there's about 15 other people from uh, either uh, nephews and nieces that live in Ontario or other people that came from Manitoba. That was uh, such a such a thrill. No kidding. Uh, uh, now, do they present you with a, a, a bust of your likeness uh, uh, at the official induction ceremony, and, and do you bring that back home? Well, you know what? Fergie Jenkins, as the person comes out to make his speech, he comes up on stage and puts on your, puts on a sports jacket for you. Wow. Uh, uh, yeah, and uh, you get that ticket home, and then they had a, a picture that they display in the Hall of Fame. It was my picture and then some bios underneath. Uh, they gave me a copy of that framed. So it was, uh, yeah, it was really nice, really nice. No kidding, yeah. Well, you know, you went in uh, with Jesse Barfield, who is a great speaker. Uh, I, I caught a bit of his speech, uh, his acceptance speech. Uh, but, uh, you know, and then, of course, there was Denny Boucher. But the other member of the class of 23, and I know Jacques Doucette and John Olrood from 21 went in with you guys because of COVID had kind of messed everything up in their induction year. But uh, Rich Harden, who is a name that is very familiar to baseball fans in this country, but I, I'm not sure if many people uh, recollect that uh, Rich Harden has a connection to Manitoba. Yeah, yeah he was uh, he, he was born and lived in here, and uh, his dad uh, played football for uh, um, the North End uh, North End team there. That uh, so, so he was he's a pretty prominent 
uh, father, and Rich was pretty humble guy, pretty quiet. Um, uh, of course, he and a couple of us were really nervous. Jesse was, and I'd, <laughs> oh, I don't think so. And we said, I asked Scott Crawford, I said, so you put Jesse at the end? He says, yeah, just in case we run over out of time type of thing. <laughs> So no, he's he's quite a character. He's he's uh, he's a nice guy too. Uh, oh yeah, abs- yeah, real classy. What, what was John Olrude like? I always remember him as kind of a, you know, a, a a real approachable guy, but but you know, not overly talkative. Yeah, no, he's uh, uh, a quiet type of guy. Again, he he doesn't like to, didn't like the spotlight there, and uh, uh, very nice guy. Um, um, yeah, he, he was, uh, they were all good. I was sitting on the autograph section. I was sitting beside, um, uh, Dennis Bousset. Yeah. And people were coming up and they had this program and I said, okay, uh, page five, cause that's where my picture or, or bio or whatever it was. He kept on saying, Joe, page 13. No, I said, <laughs> page five. Well, no, it was page 13. I said, how did you know that? He says, because I'm on page 16, right beside you. So, <laughs> you know, he's quite a character, that guy. So, he's quite a character. Yeah. So he, who is on page five? Who, who's on page five, Joe? I don't think, I don't know who was on page five. There's nobody. <laughs> Probably. You had him <laughs> autographing an ad for a car dealership or something, maybe. <laughs> yeah, well. They keep on asking me, "How come your <laughs> your picture is with the with the McDonald's advertising on it?" So yeah. I, I don't know. I probably support them quite a bit. Yeah, for sure. Well, Joe, did it uh, just before we close off here? Did it did it live up to all of your expectations? The uh, the Absolutely. Hall of Fame ceremony, yeah. Absolutely, yeah. It was really great. Uh, uh, the ceremony itself, I, I'm. It was in a big tent, and I think there's got to be like 800 people there, you know, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. The other highlight well, too is that um, before that, uh, they renamed the street that the Hall of Fame is on to the Ferguson Jenkins Street. Nice. So it's it's going to be their address is going to be number one Ferguson, Ferguson Jenkins. Now, Ferdy Jenkins nice, Way, I think, is what uh, they're going to rename it. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and they are—he's a nice guy too. Really yeah, nice oh, guy. yeah, such a class act, and has done so much for Canadian baseball, as you have as well, Joe, uh, in Manitoba, but also uh, stretching beyond the borders of our province. Uh, great catching up with you again, and I'm so happy to hear that things went well. Uh, thanks so much, and again, Joe. Congratulations on induction into the Canadian Baseball Hall of Fame. You you most certainly deserve it. Well, Kelly, thanks very much, and uh, always appreciate uh, talking to you. I, I, like I said once before, you're a class act too. You've done a lot of research on on all the inductees, so uh, you knew quite a bit about them before we inter- interviewed us. So it was good. You bet. That is Joe Wichar from uh, Morden. Uh, the class of 2023 recognized uh, for the Canadian Baseball Hall of Fame last Saturday uh, in St. Mary's, Ontario. Well, here we are at IG Field in Section 133, and this is the start of an attempt 
at a Guinness World Record. And to help fill in the gaps a little bit is a super CFL fan. I hope, Bobby Dubow, you don't mind me referring to you as that? Absolutely, absolutely. Okay, so you are embarking tonight ahead of the BC Lions-Winnipeg Blue Bombers game at IG Field to set a Guinness World Record for the fastest tour of all nine CFL stadiums. Do I have that right? Yes, over the next three weekends, nine games, uh, starting off here in Winnipeg, finishing in Vancouver, where I'm from. So it's uh, pretty exciting. I just want to make sure I make it to every game. I have food testers to taste the uh, 32-inch hot dogs before I eat them here. Uh, Other than that, it's just up to the airlines to get me back and forth. So hopefully it all goes well. Yeah, yeah, I'm kind of curious if you got a a plan B in case things get messed up at the airport. Yeah, absolutely. I don't know who sponsors uh, game day here, but uh, yeah, I've taken some trains, planes, automobiles. Everything's an option. So from here, you go to Calgary? Yes, Calgary, Edmonton this weekend. Uh, Ottawa, Montreal, Toronto over Canada Day. And then I do something weird. I go Regina, Hamilton, Vancouver over the last weekend. So, Regina, Hamilton, Vancouver. Who planned that out? Please say it was you. It was, uh, you're going to have to talk to the league. Yeah. <laughs> what inspired this, Bobby? Uh, well, I was actually stuck in Montreal last year because of uh, Hurricane Fiona. I was trying to get out to Nova Scotia. So uh, caught an Alouettes game there. Red Blacks played the next day, and I thought, oh, I wonder if I could see all nine of them next year. Schedule worked out pretty well where I could see them quickly this year, and I applied to Guinness, and they said, uh, yeah, sure. Sounds like a good record. We'll put it in our book and uh, let us know when you're done. Yeah, right on. Okay, so now that's my next question is, you know, we just assume, okay, you're going to set a Guinness World Record. What kind of process is that? to A, ensure that it is a record, and B, that it's going to be recorded by the Guinness people. So I had to submit the record. I uh, had to wait a very long time because I didn't have a lot of money to get it reviewed quickly. Uh, and What's the cost, by the way? I think I paid like 20 bucks. I could have paid 10000 if I wanted to hear back in a week. But okay. I yeah, waited so. like four months. They said, okay, and I, have, I need witness statements to be signed. I need video taken every hour, two minutes of every hour. Uh, I got out of having an official timekeeper necessary because it's over 18 days. But, uh, yeah, just lots of documentation, lots of witnesses. And, uh, yeah, I'll just follow all their rules, and then I, then I can call myself a world record holder. Right on. So how many people are in on this? Like, uh, as this thing uh, gathers a little more steam, is the Canadian Football League in on it? You know, have you been uh, talking to different people about it? Uh, I first told the Lions about it, and they didn't really care. Uh, <laughs> okay. And you're going to watch them three times during this process. Exactly. I'm going to see them if, if three times, finish there as well. So hopefully by the end of this tour, maybe they'll realize there's just a historic moment happening. Uh, no, I'm just doing it on my own. I have uh, lots of family across Canada too, so they're uh, basically my number one expense, I'm assuming, is going to be uh, stadium beers. Well, I'm guessing, Bobby Dubow, if when you go to Edmonton during the first leg of the trip, if the Elks somehow win at home, you're just going to have to keep coming back and keep coming back there. Yeah, exactly. I didn't want to guarantee it uh, because we saw what happened last time they did that. But if uh, Bombers win tonight, I have something to advertise. Hey, like uh, everybody I go see, they win. So 
hopefully I can bring some luck to them over the weekend. Uh, it'd be nice to see Toronto lose as well. So. Yeah, right on. Yeah. Well, you're from Delta, in the lower mainland of British Columbia. So, And I'm guessing by your shirt, uh, which is a uh, kind of a, if I could do a vi- radio visual here, a tropical BC Lions on a Hawaiian beach type shirt. Would that be a good description of it, Bobby? Sure. I think you can see it from space uh, <laughs> if, if I'm under the roof here. Yeah, you'll, you'll be easy to spot. Now, do you have a shirt like this? For all nine CFL teams, that's what I want to know. I don't, unless they're going to give me one. But uh, no, no, I just have this. I, I'm actually a ticket holder of the Lions, so I picked this one up last week. But other than that, I'm not. I don't know. I'm just a fan of football. I hope everybody has fun. Maybe uh, cover the spread if you're the Bombers tonight. But other than that, no, uh, nothing really planned. Kind of doing it all on my own, and uh, hopefully it goes well. Let's talk a little bit about the year that you had at Brandon, your second full season at the Western Hockey League level. Did you anticipate that it would result in you being named the number one North American goaltending prospect? Yeah, I mean, obviously it's it's cool to see your name out there. I didn't really know what it was until um, the second second ranking. I, I hadn't looked at it much because, I mean, you're just kind of there to play for your team and, and give your team a chance to win every night, but uh, it was it was pretty neat for sure. Um, you know, it was a it was a good season with the guys. We had a great group of guys, and um, yeah, just like I said, going into the season, it was it was a team mentality for sure. So it was nice to you know get that recognition later on. I would imagine that there was a little bit of a difference in your approach, uh, where you know in your first year, uh, you know, sharing the net uh, as opposed to this year, where you were the guy on most nights for the Wheat Kings. Yeah, yeah. My I came in at sixteen, obviously, and was was twenty, and um, he was a great role role model for me. Um, it was great to be able to pick up and learn from him, just you know, off off the ice and stuff, and in practice and everything. You know, he had a he had a really good rhythm and routine. So, um, yeah, it, it was really good to have that kind of first year settle in for this year. You know, and and of course, you had uh, uh, the success at the Halenka. Uh, and then you also had the success at the at the U18. So I would imagine those were uh, personal highlights for you as well. Yeah, it's pretty neat. Obviously, I mean, everybody's going to say anytime you get to represent your country, it's pretty special. You know, putting on that jersey um, you know, every time you do it, it's always always pretty cool. And um, you just think back to your you know childhood watching all those Canadian players and you know see how far they've got. So you just want to strive to be able to do that. Are there thoughts uh, somewhere down the line? I mean, I know your focus is on the draft right now, but uh, somewhere down the line, uh, maybe where Carson Bjornsson becomes a, a household name for Canadian hockey fans <laughs> during the World Junior Tournament? Yeah, I mean, that'd be that'd be pretty sweet. It'd be pretty special. You grew up, you know, I grew up every every year watching it at Christmas, and you'd throw it on, um, and, you know, you'd watch highlights the next morning and everything. So, you know, if I did get a chance to play this year, that'd be it'd be pretty cool. Well, you know, you've set the, the groundwork, uh, you know, through the under-18 programs with Hockey Canada. So is that any kind of a goal heading into season number three with Brandon? Or, or what kind of things have you set out for yourself, Carson? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, obviously the, the draft's coming up here. So, um, you know, it'd be nice to hear my name called somewhere, anywhere from one to seven. Um, you know, it'd be pretty sweet. But uh, I guess, you know, in terms of personal goals, I think World Juniors is something, you know, I want to be able to attain. And and make this year and um yeah just i mean little successes here and there obviously you know if the team does well you'll you'll do well yourself too so uh, going into the season it'll be important for me to you know just be able to do what i like did last year and 
um, you know, just try to give my team a chance to win every game. Carson Bjornsson uh, of Carberry and the Brandon Wheat Kings uh, joining us here on the CJOB Sports Show uh, and uh, is the number one ranked Manitoban for the NHL entry draft next week in Nashville. Carson, you mentioned whether it's round one or round seven, you'll be happy. But because of your ranking, and I don't know how much you heard at the draft combine in Buffalo, where would you, A, I guess I would imagine you're going to Nashville, and B, do you think it'll be day two, or do you have some thoughts that maybe it could have happen on that first night of the draft? Yeah, I mean, I'm just talking around to guys who have been there and stuff, obviously there's a lot of stuff happening down on the floor and, um, you know, trades here and there that yeah. you, you aren't expecting. So uh, it'd obviously be pretty cool they just get it done with the first night. Um, I mean, no kid's going to say they want to go the as late as they can, uh, it'd be pretty cool to be picked the first day for sure. So, um, I mean, just like I said, just roll with the punches, see how it goes, and um, just kind of enjoy it. Yeah. Well, you uh, achieved one goal of playing major junior with your uh, childhood team uh, that you grew up idolizing, the Brandon Weekings. I don't know where the Winnipeg Jets uh, sit on your radar, but uh, has there been any team in the interviews that you've had uh, that uh, where you've come away thinking, wow, these these guys might be the team that drafts me. Yeah, I mean, there's there's definitely a few teams. Um, I, I had a good amount of interviews at the combine, so it was kind of, <laughs> you know, I thought going into it, I'd come up with a better idea, and I think I left a little more confused than I thought I would <laughs> on where I'd go. So, yeah. uh, you know, having having the amount I did, I, I just kind of left thinking, you know, hopefully one of these, you know, thirty two teams will take me uh, later on in the week. So. Um, yeah, there's a couple teams where, you know, interest is high and, and whatnot, but you never know. Do you consider that confusion to be a good thing or, or a negative? Yeah, I'll, I'll look at it on the bright side. Just, I good. guess, that many more that Perfect. maybe you want to take. Who knows? Perfect. Hey, so let's uh, do a self-analysis here. Uh, why are you the number one ranked North American netminder? And what kind of things do you believe you have to do in order to, uh, you know, achieve that goal of, of uh, and keeping in mind, you still have one or maybe two more years left than Brandon, but, you know, to keep your career moving forward, what kind of things do you have to get better at? So let's start with, the, yeah. the, with what you're good at and then what you need to get better at. Yeah, I mean, obviously being gifted with size is, is pretty important, uh, being a goalie, so I'm lucky to have that. And I think just my speed, uh, you know, for my size, I move pretty well. I can beat the pass and, uh, you know, break the mold if I have to, making a desperation save and stretching out using my limbs to my advantage. Um, you know, I think my awareness and, and hockey IQ is, you know, definitely up there on the charts. And, yeah, I think just my overall demeanor. I think I have a certain sense of, you know, stoicism out there and I have a certain poise that, um, you know, I try to act professional at all times. So, uh, you know, it's something I've always kind of carried and, and glad that it's kind of carried through to my game. Um, and then just little things, I mean, every day in practice, you know, obviously are there for a reason it's because they do the little things right so just being able to practice every day with an intention you know get that much better and um yeah just be able to give my team a chance to win into the season is there any netminder in particular that you grew up idolizing tyler from a young age uh, in carberry or maybe even more recently as your career has progressed yeah definitely definitely carry price is somebody i've always modeled the game after um you know it's pretty pretty hitting the mold pretty well Um, and every every kid says that I think so. Uh, you know, just trying to take take points away from his game and try to implement it into mine has definitely been you know helpful. 
is that unflappability maybe one of the things you like about Carey Price? Just hearing you talk about how you try to maintain a calm, stoic demeanor between the pipes. Yeah, he's definitely. I mean, he's looks like he's mastered that. Um, you know, and that's you know, people tell you that sometimes there's something you have, and you know, I've been told that, so it's pretty special to be able to, um, you know, kind of carry that and make that a staple. Grad week this week, and then uh, the uh, draft uh, the following week, uh, and then uh, who knows whether it's rookie camp or, or, or that sort of thing. What kind of things do you do away from the game, uh, Carson, uh, that helps keep you grounded and maybe helps keep you from, you know, uh, uh, maybe getting di- distracted too much with all everything that's in front of you? Yeah, uh, definitely always a little getaway uh, fishing. I love fishing. I went out the other day just by myself down to a little creek, so... Uh-huh. Just a nice little getaway, uh, being able to do that kind of when you're home and in the off season. Uh, definitely playing guitar. Me and my brother, now that he's back, um, you know, should be playing every night and fiddling here and there. And uh, you know, he knows some things I I don't, and I do that he doesn't. So it's it's nice to be able to kind of go back and forth and you know pick up a few new things. And um, yeah, just any any kind of family time, downtime is always. Yeah, I saw in the notes uh, that you also like to pick up the drumsticks every once in a while too. Uh, yeah, I used to, I took drum lessons when I was, when I was younger. So, um, you know, my uncle, my uncle has a drum set. So the odd time I'll pick them up and, you know, try to play a beat. Yeah. I, I guess your parents probably were happier. You switched to guitar. What kind of music genre do you, uh, like playing? Is it rock or is it country or? Yeah, definitely rock, uh, classic rock, any kind of, you know, the Eagles, Leonard Skinner, uh, yeah. the hip, like that. But right now, we are pleased to welcome to our uh, airwaves uh, the media consultant for the upcoming uh, Canadian-African Cup of Nations tournament. When I say upcoming, as in starting tomorrow, uh, Emmanuel Oseji joins me now. And Emmanuel, I sure hope I got your last name correct. You, you know what? The gods are happy with you. We're good with it, Kelly. How are you doing? I am well, Emmanuel. It's so great to hear your voice. Uh, uh, tell us a little bit about uh, the uh, Manitoba chapter of the Canada African Cup of Nations six-team soccer tournament that's going to begin tomorrow at Ralph Cantafio Complex on Waverley. 100%. And first of all, thank you for having me, Kelly. Um, the games, so Canada African Cup of Nations, the Manitoba chapter, we are playing our fifth edition Summer Soccer Fiesta tomorrow, and it's uh, at the Ralph Cantafio Soccer Complex, located at 900 Waverly Street, Winnipeg. And, you know, this is, this is going to span from um, tomorrow, the 24th of June, all the way to August the 19th, which will be the final. And, and oh, yes, it's a tournament you don't want to miss out. So we're going to be, well, there are going to be subsequent games at uh, Shaughnessy Park, situated 709 Kuwaitian Street, uh, Winnipeg. And to stay updated on games, schedules, scores, and results, we invite you to visit our website at www.cacnations.com. And this will provide you, I say it again, www.cacnations.com. This will provide you with the most current information regarding the matches. Emmanuel, how many teams are going to be competing in this tournament? <laughs> I, I thought it was maybe for a weekend or maybe into the early part of July, but you're going all the way to August. Go big or go home, Kelly, right? We, that's, that's, yeah. that's, that's the matter, <laughs> you know right? So yeah. it's, 
It's 16 teams um, this year, and we, we happen to, um, you know, it's coming from five years ago, starting from four teams all the way to this year, 16 teams with brand new, with brand new add-ons to the countries. Team Canada, first, first, uh, this is one of a kind, first in history in CACN. There's going to be a Team Canada, there's going to be a Team India, and there's going to be a Team um, Haiti. So right now, you know, so we don't, it's not, a, we don't limit diversity, inclusion, and equity belonging. So right now, it's, soccer is global. You know that, right, Kelly? Yes. So that's why we're extending it and making sure that from 16, maybe next year we go to 32. What do you think? Oh, I'd love to see that. I'd love to hear that that's happening. Fantastic. Fantastic. Yeah. So now, are are there different age groups uh, uh, that are involved in this and different genders as well, Emmanuel? Oh, yes. So currently, the tournament primar- primarily focuses on the uh, men division, which caters to ages 17 to 30. And, you know, and of course, you know, this is a non-for-profit with limited um, resources and low, low interest in other divisions. However, as part of our 2024-2025 strategy, we are actively working towards establishing a women's division. You know, uh, currently we have, we have two dedicated women who are working full-time to engage with different communities and, and encourage greater female participation. Um, we do have a boys and girls program in place. It is not yet fully developed into a tournament format, uh, but we are actively seeking funding and support to further develop and expand these programs. In the winter of 2023, we're planning to organize a Christmas tournament specifically for boys and girls between the ages of 12 and 17. And I I remember at the press conference, um, um, Minister Audrey, that's the health minister, who, you know, she said she's actually a coach, a coach mom, or she coaches uh, some soccer, you know, women's soccer team. Hey, nice. <laughs> team, team Audrey, we're looking for you. You know, if you can make this work for us, shout out to you. But, you know, we'll ride, we'll ride on that wave for sure. So now, would with, with with this tournament be, uh, you've talked about inclusion and community and, and diversity, uh, but is it geared uh, mainly to, to people of African heritage, Emmanuel? Oh, no. Oh, no. I would, I would, no. Tell, you okay. this. I would tell you this for free. We have, even in the, in the African teams, we have people from different, different, different ethnicities, different cultural backgrounds. We have people from okay. Italy. We have people from Brazil. We have people from Canada. We have people from France. So it's, it's celebrating African culture for promoting diversity and inclusion in a way that hasn't been seen before through the soccer platform. And, and I'll tell you this, Kelly, more importantly, we have programs that go into the inner cities you know, uh, like money we raise from 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 the um, from these tournaments, and it goes to to create something called free to play. You know, and what free to the free to play program, you know, is geared towards kids that don't on the youth that don't have access to you know financing or people that want to play soccer or people that are exposed to the life of crime. So we use soccer more as an outlet for you know and donate towards that kind of. Um, you know, system to make sure we take them out of that 
bad situation into a community of soccer. So beyond just the inclusion and diversity, we're actually, we tend to the youth at risk, you know, using soccer and the love for it to engage them better. Oh, that is uh, just a fantastic uh, uh, endeavor for sure. Emmanuel Asoji is the uh, media consultant uh, for the Canadian-African Cup of Nations tournament, uh, the fifth of its kind, which will start tomorrow afternoon at Ralph Cantafio Soccer Complex at 3 o'clock in the afternoon. And I think the other thing about this, too, is the cultural experience uh, that can be had, Emmanuel, uh, you know, uh, on and off the pitch because, uh, uh, you know, it, it, it's uh, it, it's so wonderful to learn about different cultures and uh, about uh, all the different people that make up our wonderful city. You know something? It's a melting pot here, and I love I love how we... We mix together and form a beautiful combination. And you know something more importantly, Kelly? It's going to be a family affair because we're going to have bouncing castles. We're going to have candy floss. We're going to have slushy <laughs> machines. We've got to have vendors. You know, so it's not, we got the soccer experience, but also a family experience. So come out. It's summertime, guys. You know, come yeah. and have fun with your family and come just experience the richness in the different cultures that, you know, is available to us here in Manitoba. I know you one realize. beautiful thing, Kelly, is yep. our theme for this year is one people, one goal, one Manitoba. Fantastic. I, I was just going to say, parents don't stand a chance once those kids see cotton candy and slushies, uh, and, and they'll be hyped up for the rest of the tournament. So, uh, it, 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 and it sounds like... The, yeah, Absolutely. You bet. So it it starts tomorrow, but again, uh, just before we let you go, Emmanuel, thanks a bunch for uh, uh, joining us on this Friday night. I know you probably got a lot of work to do to get ready for tomorrow, uh, but just uh, one more one more time, please share that website uh, address uh, so that people can uh, follow along the uh, uh, the tournament uh, for the uh, Canadian African uh, uh, Nations Cup. So, you know, uh, thank you very much, Kelly. So visit our website at www.cacnations.com. I'll say that again, www.cacnations.com. And you'll be able to have an experience also on our social, you'll get our social media uh, handles up there. You know, our Twitter is at MACN Soccer. So um, Instagram at CACNMB Official. And of course, Facebook at Canada African Cup of Nations hyphen Manitoba. Man, you've got all you, you've got all the platforms covered. Yes, Canadian African Cup of Nations. Uh, that's where the CACN uh, uh, moniker comes from. Emmanuel, thanks a bunch for doing this, and, and I hope you. I hope this this fifth tournament is absolutely knocked down the door successful for you. Shout out, shout out to you. And before before I want to go, I want to use our platform to be able to you know educate people because you know as there's going to be a winner at the end of the show um, at, yes. at the end of the tournament, one person can only emerge. At the at the end of the at the end of the day, we're in election season. You guys just go vote, vote, vote wisely. Learn about your learn about your MLAs. Vote wisely. That's all I'm going to say. Because at the end of the day, if you if you don't vote, you can't complain. Thank you very much. <laughs> well, thank you very much for listening to the CJOB Sports Show podcast. If you like what you heard, guess what? You can hear more. Every weeknight on CJOB from 6.30 to 9 p.m. Thanks again for tuning in. Subscribe if you'd like. 
We're available on iTunes and other places I'd imagine. So farewell until we meet again. So long and thanks for all the fish. So sad that it should come to this. We try to warn you over the day. You may not share our intellect, which might explain your